The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety. The entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. What is up? Bills Mafia, how are you doing? Thank you for tuning in to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. This is the final edition of Buffalo on the Brain. So I just want to take a minute to thank everybody who gave me some of their time. Uh, Justin Goddard was awesome. I know that you love Justin and the Wandering Buffalo crew, but thank big, big, big thank you to Justin. Uh, Justice uh, for bringing me to the network. One of the coolest guys I have had the opportunity to meet in the Twitterverse, so I'm very thankful to have some opportunity to spend some time with him. Uh, a Rich, DM3, thank you guys very much for letting me represent your brand with my goofy brand of podcasting. But enough of that fluffy stuff. We want to talk about the game. We want to talk about the Bills clinching the AFC East. We want to talk about what potential playoff matchups might look like, but. You know, the, the game ended uh, 27-10. Uh, it was an ugly win, and I think the score makes it look better maybe than than uh, in reality what it was. Not that I ever really thought the Jets were a threat, even when it was close, you know, 13-10. Never had a feeling that the game was in doubt, like we weren't going to win. It's just frustrating because this is a team that we should have been beating up on. The Jets lost their top three receivers for the game. Jamison Crowder went down before the game and you almost feel sorry for Zach Wilson I mean I don't because he's a jet quarterback and I don't think I could feel I can't feel any empathy for that team but (laughs) um yeah no top receivers for this game the offensive line is the worst we faced all year and of course we feasted on that but uh you know despite all that the depleted secondary it just makes it a little bit more frustrating because we are going into the playoffs. Am I concerned? Am I, you know, uh, the sky is falling? No, but this should have been a tune-up game where we could have gotten things together. We still had some miscommunications. You know, Josh just wasn't his best today. And, uh, you know, matchups matter. And I'm still rooting on that Patriots matchup very, very hard because... That's I, I don't want to see a passing offense in the first round. 
of the playoffs because we are still missing Trey White, and we haven't had a test against the secondary, really. Now, we've been holding it down with Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace for now. Sure, yeah, that's absolutely true. We haven't had a true passing offense since Trey White went down. The Bucks game does count, um, you know, and they gave it to us pretty good. But outside of that, not a lot of passing offenses, you know, real legit quarterbacks we were facing. If you want to count Matt Ryan, I guess, but that's not been him all year. Uh, without Trey White. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'd like to see the Patriots in round one because give me give me the teams that are not passing offenses. I think that's their easiest path there. You know, let's beat up on a team that doesn't pass first. And I know, I know we can talk about all the issues with the run, but that's not going to continue. And, you know, we should have beat the Titans. We should have beat the Patriots. Um, Colts gave it to us, but that game went very odd. You know, they were able to get up real early. And uh, I, don't, I don't see that happening right now. And right now the Colts are out of the playoffs, so I guess that's one team that one less running team we have to worry about. But I'm still looking to hopefully see a, uh, a run-first team or a team that doesn't have a, a franchise quarterback, so to speak. And Mac Jones is that for me. I'd like to see Mac in the, in the first round. That'd be awesome. We can exercise some demons. He's not going to beat you with his arm. He's going to try to dink and dunk. We baited him into some sucker throws last time we, we saw him. And sure, they'll probably get their rushing yards. But, hey, we have Josh Allen. We get up. That's our game. We get up and we, we let him chase us. And that's the recipe for success. And we can 100% do that because of Joshua Patrick Allen. Uh, but it was a weird game. You know, from the very opening kickoff, I never seen a ball placed on the tee horizontally before and it was a weird squib kickoff I, I don't know if they're scared of Breda or or Stevenson or what they thought they were doing there but uh whatever <laughs> it's just a, it's just a weird observation uh you know Singletary did have that nice run but if you look at his stats they look pretty but that that nice run kind of skewed him up and honestly there was a few nice runs from from Singletary but you know you look up and he's got all those carries and you wonder where they all went I don't remember very many carries from Singletary this game and Outside of a, a couple of really pretty runs, it, it wasn't a good day for the run, despite what the stats might tell you when you're looking at that stat sheet. Uh, so it worries me a little that we stay committed to that. Um, hopefully we don't need that in the playoffs. I was fine if we didn't even play Singletary this game, honestly. I I love Motor Singletary so much, and I think he's our best back. That through, I just didn't see any need for him in this game, and maybe I was wrong. That 40-yard run meant something. But uh, anyway... Uh, Diggs nearly had two touchdowns. You know, he, he caught the first one. The second one, not a bad throw by Allen. And Diggs was not able to stay in bounds and go get it. But uh, just a little bit off, you know. Hmm. It's just one of those games where, much like last week, yeah, Josh wasn't his, on his best. But beyond the stats, it wasn't quite as bad as you think, even if it was still a bad game. Uh, we wasted... Wasted a few timeouts in this game in the first half, and you know some folks think that if we had one in our pocket at the end of the first half, that we would have got an extra touchdown. Uh, maybe that's true. Maybe deci- Josh decides to tuck it and run like the uh, broadcaster said. But um, yeah, it's game day stuff. Josh Allen. We wasted. We, it looked like we were trying to get get them to jump off sides on a punt. And we ran the clock all the way, or on a fourth and one, and maybe we're going for it. And we ran it all the way down, and then we called timeout, and I don't know. You know, one of the stories of this year has been the offensive line. And for two straight weeks, the offensive line has been pretty good. 
And you know, this the Jets do have a good defensive line. So if you want to give them credit anywhere, I, I think they have some pieces there. Uh, but overall, I don't think the offensive line was as good as it had been. But they had their moments, and they were pretty decent. And if they played at this level, you know that makes the Bills a little bit more scary. And uh, I, I want to give them credit there because we've been so critical of them all year long and lately. And maybe it's just one piece. Ryan Bates, I thought all year long that if you just improve one piece on the interior, whether it's left or right guard center, that could go a very long way. And I know there's a lot of people that disagree with me on Mitch Morse, but he's not very good in the run game. But since Bates has been in there, this team's been playing pretty well. Uh, even in the Jets game against you know the Patriots, Defensive line, that's a good defensive line. This Jets defensive line, it's not bad. So um, I want to call them out and give them a little bit of credit. There's some reason for optimism there. If we're going to go to where many of us think this team has the potential to go to, it's got to start with the offensive line. We can't have early season offensive line and think that it's going to work. This team and this group of offensive linemen playing like this is one of the keys, I think, uh, to us having a deep playoff run. Uh, Knox had another drop. <clears throat> I'm not very fair to Knox because every time he has a drop, it's going to come to my mind that he is that guy again, or, uh, Oh, uh, 2020 Knox is showing up again. It's not fair really because he has improved, but I, I seem to say something like that every week. So he's still getting a fair amount of drops, even if he has improved as a weapon and he's getting more opportunities. Yeah. Maybe we should pump the brakes on him a little bit. Not that he's not a great tight end or has the potential still to be a great tight end, but maybe his hands aren't quite as improved as we want to give him credit for. Uh, seems to have a big one every week. He had one today, and uh, you know, let's hope he doesn't have any more, especially this time of year. Uh, felt like all of the momentum for the offense disappeared after the field goal and honestly going into that second quarter. I don't know why. The two-minute offense looked really good, by the way, outside of the two-minute offense. But uh, the second quarter was just really bad. And I don't know why, but after we settled for that field goal, it just felt like we pressed a little more and we had to work a little. The offense was more laborious. You know, it didn't. It wasn't flowing. We had to uh, really kind of work for everything. Uh, Cam Lewis blocked a punt. That's awesome. Uh, you don't really see that every day. Jacon Johnson with the recovery. Still... That makes me think that the score should have been a little bit higher, but what am I complaining about uh, in AFC East Title IV? Um, I kind of felt like we were force-feeding Diggs, didn't it? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe we wanted Diggs to get his, his receptions in you know, the early part of the game. I think it was Diggs. He's the number one receiver, but it's game 17, 18, whatever, week 18. Um, we, we felt like we were force-feeding him the ball a little bit. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I, I, somebody smarter than me can tell me if, if that's where the play was supposed to go or if we were really just kind of pressing to get him his receptions. But um, I like – I'm not mad at the call where we go for on fourth and five instead of taking the points there because we have Josh Allen. It's that side of the field. I'm not mad at that. I don't want to do it all the time. But I think in this game, it didn't matter. This was a tune-up game. I'm not mad for the attempt. Sure, I'd like for us to make it, but – uh, against this defense, maybe we should be converting more. But I'm not mad for going for the attempt there. And I'm hoping that it's, we don't get to a point where we're going all the time, uh, which obviously we're not. But I, I'm not mad at that attempt. Even Fourth and five seems a little bit long, and maybe you just want to take the points. But Jets, end of the season, 
still need to work on some things. Why not? Why not go out there and go for it? So we didn't make it, whatever. It didn't really hurt. And I'm, I'm not mad at that attempt. Uh, Boogie Basham got a sack, which makes the interest in what we'd heard throughout the week or after Shaq Lawson was released that there was some interest in bringing him back. I don't understand that. I know that Shaq Lawson is good against a run. He's not a great sack player. I mean, he's getting cut again. Do we really want to add another player to this rotation? Like, what's what's the upside to bringing him back? I think we have that same player in Boogie Basham. Boogie Basham is not going to, in my opinion, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'd love to be proven wrong because of where he was drafted, but he doesn't look like he's ever going to be a big sack guy. He's going to be Shaq Lawson 2.0. He's going to be good against a run. He's a beefy defensive end. He doesn't beat his guy, but he can hold his ground and seal that edge, and that's what I see out of Boogie. Uh, so I don't understand the interest in, in Zach, uh, Shaq Lawson, and I'm still not in love with Boogie. You know, maybe we thought that he was getting value where we got him because he was reportedly supposed to be a first-round pick, but what I've seen from him so far this year, he's fine. Maybe we, he's not the player that we want him to be. He's fine. Uh, he's certainly not second-round pick material, and he's not ever going to be a big sack guy. But run situations, I think it makes sense to stick him in there, and I don't understand the, the interest in, in Shaq Lawson. I know he's our guy. You know, he grew up here in Buffalo. You know, grew up on I mean, his NFL career started here in Buffalo. But they're kind of the same player to me. Um, Matt Hawk, woof. I don't think I've ever seen a badly punted game as we did today. There was one sequence where he had two ridiculous punts on the same play. There was a non-play and it was, it was a really terrible punt. It ended up being like, I don't even know that I went 30 yards and there was a scuffle and there was a penalty on both teams. So they re-kicked it and he kicked a worse punt. He kicked a worse one. And there was one play where he was like, running for his life <laughs> and he booted it and I think that ball maybe it went 15 yards there was another play where he had the opportunity in time to do the punt correctly and just kicked it right back to the end zone like not even like pretending to angle it or you know tr- try to play for the inside the 20 <laughs> he just kicked it right out of the end zone I'm, you're an NFL punter man I mean come on isn't your game supposed to be that you're able to angle punts like that uh, with precision, and we've heard about all of the inside the 20, but man, I, woof. I'm almost, I don't want to say almost, I am to the point where if we cut him and we just signed him a three-year deal, if we cut him right now and we get it in off-the-street punter, it's a major upgrade, right? Uh, <laughs> maybe he was rusty because he's been eating nachos on the sideline for the last two weeks, but woof, don't like that at all. Uh, I'm, I, I've had enough. I, I don't care that he's a great holder. I don't want to see that ever again. This was the Jets. If this had been even a mediocre team, we could have been in real trouble. We could have been in real trouble. That's giving up a lot of good field position. And the way the game was going, woof. Uh, Matt Hack, Hawk, nobody has been in your corner. And you're not doing any favors. You're not winning anybody over when you have performances like that. So uh, keep Keep you keep Matt on the sidelines. I mean, maybe there's an argument to be made that because he's so terrible, when we go into the playoffs, let's just be aggressive all the time. Fourth and fifteen, screw it, Josh, we're going out there. <laughs> okay, that's a that's an exaggeration. I'm being silly. I don't really mean that, sort of. But you know what I'm saying. 
uh, yeah, the Reed Ferguson. I don't know what happened on that. I, I, I mentioned that brawl that they had there on that punt. Reed Ferguson was getting mauled, and we ended up getting. CBS did a really terrible job of, of showing that. Um, but I can't understand why we had a penalty to, uh, to, you know, nullify the other side's penalty. I don't understand what happened with Reed Ferguson. He just he got beat up on that play and, you know, he'd get up and he pushed the guy back and then all of a sudden there's a big brawl and Bill's got a penalty. I don't know. I, I don't think I had a good angle. Um, I'm, I'm open to, uh, somebody else that had seen something different, letting me know what happened on that. But that was an odd play. And, uh, don't make me send Dank out there. Dank will stick up for his boy. Yeah. Um, 21 yard punt. Yeah. Yikes. Um, I, again, never felt like this game was in doubt. Even was close 10, seven, you know, we've seen bills games like this throughout the drought and throughout our lifetimes where the bills just winnable games will let them slip away. We've seen that this year, honestly. Uh, but this one never, never felt threatened. Uh, even when they got a close, just didn't feel like it was ever really in doubt. More mad at us. We're not getting our stuff together. We're a better team. We should be playing better against this team, and we weren't. And we put it together a little bit at the end, but I, that's the story of the game. Um, Gabe Davis had a rough game. Uh, he had a lot of targets. He's known for making those tough catches near the sideline. And uh, didn't really have a great game today. Wasn't able to pull all those out. Uh, so I'm not mad at Gabe. Or it happens. You know, we don't ever say anything about Stefan Diggs when he has a bad game. But, uh, you know, rough game for him. Nine sacks. Nine sacks. How many? Not one. Not two. Not three. Not four. Not five. Nine. That poor offensive line. I only recognize one name there. And... Morgan Moses was getting it handed to him all game long by Groot. Uh, Groot maybe didn't come up with the sack numbers, but his impact wasn't on the stat sheet. But there were times where he was just pushing him around. Morgan Moses was going where Gregory Rousseau wanted him to go. For as big as an offensive lineman he was, uh, Groot was having his way. You know, maybe he didn't get the pressure to sacks, but Gregory Rousseau is a good player. And, and I got a little bit over uh, zealous with with Justin early in the year, and I predicted 12 sacks, and I regretted it immediately. I knew that number was high, but he's going to hit that number. Maybe next year, maybe maybe someday. He's going to be that type of player, uh, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with Gregory Rousseau. Even if the defensive ends as a whole, I haven't been there. But this is a team that we show up against, right? The weaker offensive lines. We've done that all year, but every time we face a little bit better offensive line, we are, we're, we're silent. They they go silent. But there was a Jerry Hughes sighting today. I think everybody got on the action earlier. I mean, really. I mean, Effie Obata got in there. Um, not Effie Obata. Uh, Jerry Hughes, Boogie Basham. I mean, just everybody was around the ball today. Zach Wilson was running backwards 20 and 30 yards sometimes and had to throw the ball away. That offensive line had no answer. No answer for this defensive line at all. And that's that's what we invested for. That's why we have the draft picks. That's why we've, you know, got Ed Oliver. By the way, Ed Oliver, is there a most improved player on this team? And it's not Dawson Knox. In fact, it may even be Ed Oliver, even ahead of Dawson Knox. Uh, Ed Oliver is becoming a monster. Uh, he seems it's because of his position. His impact to the game doesn't always appear on the stat sheet, but 
it does. <laughs> Sometimes it even does appear on the stat sheet. Uh, there was a play today where anybody that's about my age and played Tecmo Bowl in the early 90s knows exactly what I'm talking about, where you take the defensive tackle and you're able to uh, hit the button real quick and you just keep mashing the tackle button and they hike the ball and you tackle them before they can even hand it off. That's pretty much what Ed Oliver did today. Um, now, it didn't turn into a sack. It didn't turn into a fumble, but <laughs> I, I'm... I'm I guarantee you, plays like that get into the offensive uh, line's head. Ed Oliver was in their head all day. I guarantee it after that play. Um, you know, they tried to do a handoff and end up being like a little pitch because, well, he's getting his ass kicked by Ed Oliver. But I think that's it. That's all my thoughts on the game. I'm excited for the playoffs. Uh, I'm still rooting on the Patriots matchup. I, I'm looking forward to this team being good for a long time. And, and the reason why is because of Josh Allen. When you look at the rest of the AFC East quarterbacks, I don't like Zach Wilson. I was not a fan of him when he was picked. And, you know, there are people who want to argue that he's been playing better lately. Fine. I mean, maybe he does improve, but I don't think you have a franchise quarterback on your hands. And maybe it's kind of hard to judge because he's got such a crappy team around him. But you know what? He had a better team around him earlier in the year. And this was this was a guy that didn't have what ended up being his top four wide receivers, so he didn't have a lot around him. And um, the giant offensive tackle that they drafted last year was gone, uh, and the, the rest of the line is just a bunch of yeah, I don't know who you are except for uh, Ferris Tucker. But I don't I don't like the rest of the AFC quarterbacks. I think the Bills are in great shape to be what Brady was to us for such a long time. To Tagovailoa. Had a stretch of good play there during the middle of the season. He's not the answer. He's not the answer. He he overachieved and he got pulled around last year. We all know. We talked about that all year long. Uh, they did win seven in a row. That's fantastic. Uh, Tua pulled up a little bit. Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he the gunslinger type? Do you have an elite franchise guy with him? I'm still not buying that. And I, I, I want to hate on him because he's a Dolphin, but Tua looks like a guy that's easy to like. He's just got that nice smile. Seems like a nice dude. I, I can't I, I can't get there. I don't think there's another franchise quarterback inside the AFC East. And, and then, of course, uh, we make our way over to Mac Jones. What? Mac Jones is a system quarterback. Do we think that he's going to be a legit threat to us in the next five years? I don't think so. I think he's going to do just enough. He's going to be who he is this year. The, the Patriots are who I thought they were at the beginning of the year. They were a team that could beat anybody any week, but at the end of the year, when you add it all up, they were slightly around 500. And maybe they overachieved by a game or two, but they're they're the team I thought they were. Um, I'll take that. If that's a team that they're going to be for the next five years, advantage Bills. So looking around the AFC East, I think it's going to be like this for a long time. The time is now. The big boys are on the block. We're still technically on Josh Allen's rookie deal at least for his fifth-year option next year. Um, and we, we do have some holes. we got some things we need to think about. We we have our own uh, internal processes, you know, fixing the offensive line. If we want some quarterback depth, we need a true defensive one-tech, uh, although Harry's been playing really well lately. He played pretty well at the late last season, too. Uh, but maybe we want another one-tech. I don't know. I, I think if you run the numbers... 
uh, the Bills could save some money by cutting Star. This looks like the out year that we could have had last year. But honestly, I don't know if the savings are enough that if you cut them, you're going to really save enough for because you have to go fill them with another player. It's not like if we cut them and you save some money, you got to go sign somebody else or draft somebody else. And I don't know if the savings is worth it. I think Star's back one more year. I think uh, I think he's a backup. He's a highly paid backup next year. And it looks like it's going to be Harry and Oliver. Uh, that combination is probably going to have some fits in the run game from time to time. I just, I, I think it is. I think between those two, they're they're probably going to have some games like the like the Patriots did to us the first time. But I'm not super worried about it. I think overall, this is a team that we want to build. If I say the the mid 2000s Indianapolis Colts, that's not completely correct. But I think there are many similarities there. We're going to be built to go up. We're going to be built with Josh Allen. We're going to be built to score and make you keep pace or catch up with us. And that should mean in most weeks, the run game would be taken away. And, you know, we want to invest in defensive ends. And that's where Harry and Ed Oliver have their value, I think, is passing plays. They're up the middle. Their presence right there up the middle, both of them, um, is is difficult for pass protection. Um, so, I don't know. I like what I see going forward. I'm very excited about the Bills' future. And um, we'll see what the playoffs brings. Hopefully, hopefully, we end up with New England because I think I don't want to pass a quarterback. And we'll see what happens if we end up facing the Chiefs without Trey White um, or who else gets in. I think Cincinnati's sneaky good. They might be the third best team in the AFC. And they could beat either us or the Chiefs, as we know. They, they could they could be the, either of us with that passing game. And we don't know what it looks like without Trey White against a true passing offense right now. So uh, that's it. That's all my thoughts. Hey, I um, I have a great final episode for you guys. Not only do I have Real or Silly with Justin Goddard. Uh, thank you again, Justin, for carrying this podcast. And I enjoy talking to you every week and doing this segment. Uh, you've been so good to me with your time, and I really appreciate it. I have Justin and I have an extended Mafia Hotsy today with some extra built in Buffalo uh, family. So uh, we have T. Estelle from Not Your Average Podcast. We have Justice because he's the reason why I'm on the network and one of my favorite people in the Mafia. And last but not least, Caveman. I don't get to hang out with Caveman enough, but uh, I am a big fan of Caveman's work and I. I implore you, please, please, please go check out his work. Uh, he is pretty good. Uh, usually shorter videos, you know, 10, 12 minutes, but he also does some shows here on the Built in Buffalo Network. So please check them out. Without further ado, here is Real or Silly. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly. Adjective. Laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double L. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Bill's Mafia. It is that time of the week once again where I am joined by my buddy and my partner in crime over from the Wandering Buffalo, Justin Goddard. Justin, how are you? I am doing great today, my friend. Uh, 
kind of looking forward to the wrapping up this regular season so we can get to these really meaningful, meaningful playoff games. And, you know, I'm never one to really look past an opponent or, you know, say a game doesn't really matter, but we kind of talked pre-show. It's, it's kind of been hard to get up for this Jets game this week. And I, I think it's with the, the clinching of knowing exactly what stands in front of the team that I'm just ready to get through this week and, and start watching some playoff football. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, it's been a long season and it's only one more game, but I can't believe it's the season still happening. And I'm with you. The Jets just, yeah, I don't care. Unless we lose, I don't care what happens. It's just, I can't get up for this one. Yeah, I, I mean, if we lose the game, it better be, be because we had, you know, all our backups in and, you know, brought Jake Fromm back into the fold so he could play and stolen back from the Giants or something like that. But I, I feel very similar to this game as I did the Miami game last year, where it's it's kind of to me like with the depth and talent that we have on this team, like even if we're playing all our backups, I, I still expect to win. So, Yeah, uh, I'm rooting on obviously the Bills to win, but I mean, just give me a quick game. And uh, I'm rooting on New England to win because I want that smoke. I want them in Buffalo. I want a rematch uh, on our field in the playoffs. And this is like as close as you can come to exercising all the demons once and for all, right? It kind of feels that way to me. So give me New England. Let, Let them beat up on Miami. Let us beat on the Jets. And let's get to the game that really matters. Yeah, I feel exactly the same on that. It's kind of like the... You know, winning the division last year wasn't enough for me. Like, it sucks that as a team we are never really be able to like overcome our demons with with Brady in New England. Um, but for me, it's like kind of the next best thing we can get is is exercising those demons against Bill Belichick because you know we had all we had all our years of opportunities to take down Brady and we could never do it. So kind of want to close the chapter on it in in any way that we can. Yeah, it's weird how, like, I'm a believer in the Bills. The Bills are one of the elite teams in the AFC, and we've had our issues all year long, and I feel like we still have things to prove. Now, in the last two years, one single loss inside the division. We swept the division last year. New England beat us a few weeks ago in the snowstorm and the windstorm. And the 11 and one inside the division. And we still have to prove things. It feels like, and this is just a way to just like, you know, it's over. It's done. The bills are the big boys. Yeah. And, and for me, kind of the other side of it too, is just some of the other potential playoff matchups of, you know, when you start playing the game of who you want to see versus who you don't want to see, um, the, the New England running game, despite, you know, them really beating up on us a few weeks ago. Uh, I'll I'll take that over, you know, like Wentz and Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'll take my chances trying to force Mac Jones to throw again. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I actually had lunch today uh, with one of my buddies who was a Colts fan because all of my friends are Colts fans. <laughs> uh, but he was just, he was, he doesn't want to see, oddly enough, and it, he's not one to like, you know, blow me smoke, but he's saying out of all the AFC playoff teams, including the chiefs, the one team he does not want to see 
is the Buffalo Bills. And I was like, that's weird because the one team I don't want to see is Indianapolis Colts. Uh, but he's a Wentz fan. He thinks Wentz, once he gets a few receivers, the culture, you know, right there in the conversation. But right now he sees the Buffalo Bills as a team that he does not want to see, which just one man's opinion, but um, he's small, smarter than I am. So I respect his opinion. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of chatter um, from some people being like, oh, give me the Colts, you know, they whooped on us, so this is our chance for a revenge game. Uh, that that Colts game was the worst outing I saw from the Bills this year outside of Jacksonville, and uh, we can we can get our revenge at another date. I, I just don't like how our team matches up with a running back of the caliber of Jonathan Taylor and a cold playoff game potentially in Buffalo. I, I just don't, I don't want to play that game with, with Taylor. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Skip the Colts. Last year it was odd because I wanted the Colts. I was loud and obnoxious about it. I was like, give me the Colts, give me Phillip rivers. And he nearly came back and beat us. The team that scared me the most was the Ravens. And yes, we beat the Ravens, but that wasn't a good game. You know, we had to get uh, the Teron Johnson special there uh, to make it out of that one. Because if they scored there, that game is much different. I promise you. Uh, this year, nope. I don't want. I don't want none of that. <laughs> I don't even know if Carson Wentz is that big of an upgrade over Philip Rivers because I think there are people here at Indy that will want Philip Rivers back, but they still scare me. But let's go ahead and get started. We have Justin Goddard real or silly and we have question number one and this was your question and it's actually the better the best question that we have this week so question one if the bills were not to make it to the afc championship because we got there last year and all the hype and everything we've done that we believe made this team better in the off season the season's a big disappointment is that real or silly um so i kind of understand you know, where that thought process comes from of, you know, they've been improving each year. You know, we had the one and done seasons we had backing into the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, obviously making the AFC championship game last year, being one game away from the Super Bowl. So I, I understand where that thought process comes in, but I'm going to say silly. A bunch of silliness. Um, in, in the small short term. Yeah, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow if we don't even get back to the AFC Championship game. Um, but you hear all the cliches of, you know, every every season you're starting over at zero and zero. You know, whatever you did last year doesn't really matter. Um, all those things. And, and yes, I think before the season there was so much hype around this team. You started getting national media hyped on this team and it was – you know, the, the Bills were the favorites to make the Super Bowl from the AFC. Um, so I get where there could be a certain level of disappointment if they don't make it back to the championship game. Um, but for me, I kind of, I'm kind of trying to keep like a wider lens on it and, and just remember that, you know, my entire life of football fandom, the Bills were just in their best years, like wildly mediocre, like we we're getting hype for a nine, nine and seven team and, you know, being in the hunt. Um, <laughs> so for me, I'm kind of still looking at it as, you know, the organization pointing in the right direction. I think we do have 
the right leadership. I think Brandon Bean's a good general manager that we were missing for so long. I think McDermott's a, a great leader. So it feels to me like the team is going to be at least sniffing in that territory for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, so I, I, as much as there would be disappointment, I can't really consider the whole season a disappointment when, when I'm looking at the bigger picture of, of the general direction of the team. Yeah, I, great points. And you're way more mature than I am. And I love the term wildly <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> um, but I would, I'd say I'm disappointed. I think a lot of us here are disappointed. A lot of us here were already calling for us to be Super Bowl. And there were really high expectations uh, within the Bills community about this team. And it's, for the fan perspective, absolutely. You know, they were probably, in my opinion, uh, a little bit optimistic. <laughs> there was a little bit more optimism there than there should have been. I felt like when we made it to the championship game last year, we overachieved a tad. Not that we weren't a great team. And I remember coming out of the draft this year, I was I had to talk myself into liking the draft because I felt like we didn't do anything to improve the offensive line. I wanted a corner. And to be fair, that wasn't our problem this year. Even without Trey, it's at this point still not been a problem. But I don't feel like he drafted for this year, and that still would be a disappointment. So to me, I, I say, yeah. I mean, I, I, I say you don't get back there, and you had your window open, and you didn't make the appropriate picks. I, I think there's some criticism there and, and some disappointment there. Yeah, I, I like the point that you have about the draft picks because, you know, there there's what only one other team in the league that was returning 22 starters. And, and that was the team that won the Super Bowl uh, in the Buccaneers. Um, so so to your point there, yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent that, you know, you you weren't quite there enough to measure up last year. So what did you really change to take you to the next level? Um I think I think last year the offensive line was very average and kind of Josh Allen making them look a little bit better. I I was never really excited about the re-signing of Feliciano, but I think he even regressed on that. And I was much the same as you with with the draft where the the as the picks were happening, I was like, eh, okay. Eh. Like, whatever. Well, we'll see. I, I mean, these were, you know, some areas that we needed to upgrade, but I, my personal feelings of where the most obvious upgrades were needed um, were kind of ignored. Um, I guess for me overall, where the disappointment comes in more than if we weren't to make it to the championship game would kind of be just in how the regular season played out in general. Um of having a team that was 13 and three last year and, you know, just really cruising through some opponents. And then just to start off this year on the note with, with that Pittsburgh Steelers game and, you know, just right from the first game kind of being like, it's okay. We're going to be okay. And then the rest of the season, just kind of being a roller coaster of, you know, even, even some, a game like Atlanta, I felt really good about, but when you see what happened throughout the season, I, I don't like go into any of these games with supreme confidence like I did last year. And I guess, I guess that's the bigger disappointment for me. 
I am feeling 100% confident about the Jets. I have no worries about this game because this is the Miami game from last year where, eh, whatever. You know, I just feel like it's the end of the end of the year. They're not playing for anything. Miami actually was at least still playing for something potentially. The Jets are. <laughs> I don't know what's going to go on with the Jets, but I maybe they give us it all. But even if they do, whatever, I don't care. I, I can't care about this game any less than I do. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. All right, on to question number two. Question two. And I think I want to word this question this way, Justin. But we were just talking about the Miami game from last year, the final regular season game. And we just rated up on the Dolphins. Matt Barkley even came in in the second half. Justin Goddard. Mitch Trubisky is going to start with the offense on the second, the first possession coming out of the second half. Is that real or silly? Uh, I'm going to say this one's real. Real. And I think that's going to be kind of regardless of how the game's going. Um, And that's at least from like my perspective of, of what I'd want to see. Like we talked about before the show started, this is a team that even if we started the game with the backups, it has kind of like a preseason vibe to it for me. And I feel like in particular on offense, we go deep enough that this unit should be able to take out the Jets. Um, I know, you know, seeing last year with the Bills having a better record and, and trying to seal things up, we still saw Matt Barkley. Um, the only thing that could really change my mind here is, is how aggressively the bills want to finish off winning the division. Um, but again, I'm, I'm feeling like this is a game where we typically, you know, if we win the toss, we defer to the second half. Uh, I feel like this would be the type of game where, you know, if we win the toss, we choose to receive first and try to jump out to maybe like a two, two and a half score lead and, and kind of put the jets behind behind the sticks as it were to, to be able to bring in the backups in the second half. So I'll say that one's real. Is there any alternate reality where the jets keep it close and Josh Allen comes out and plays maybe even into the fourth? Do you think? I, I think 100% that reality exists. Um, just basically with the division on the line and being able to seal things up for ourselves. Um, I think having that division title is, is very important to this team and the, in the organization. Um, just, you know, think of all the hats and shirts and all that they, they can sell for, you know, being division champs another year in a row and kind of just being a pride factor for, again, a team that was so bad for so long and, didn't even have chances to win the division as pretty much Tom Brady's entire career in new England. Um, so, you know, I talked about this with you, I believe last week that I almost prefer that the bills go on the road in the playoffs. Um, but I think, I think for this organization, probably one of their most important goals for themselves right now is winning the division. So I, I could, I could see Josh potentially playing a full game if it, you know, came down to a situation where the Jets were playing like they played against the Bucks last week, and it's a close one. 
Yeah, I'm. I agree with you. I I do think it's more likely that we get up to a lead and Josh sits, but it depends on the score because I don't think we want to let the division slip away. Uh, but I would I would bet yes. And uh, I knowing us and knowing who we are, I I don't think we're ever really in danger of losing the game. But I think they could. <laughs> I definitely think that the Bills. I'm I'm going to say this carefully. I'm not saying the Jets will keep it interesting. I'm saying the Bills can keep it interesting. Let me say it that way. Um, we got some stuff to work out before the playoffs, and I'm hoping that they play everybody a little bit longer, and I'd care less about the injuries. Yeah, I, I agree. On, and I'd like to see I'd like to see them end the season on a high. And, you know, coming out of that Atlanta game, you know, granted two of the interceptions were tips, but you're still talking about you know, probably, probably Josh's worst game with the bills. If not, you know, like his worst game since his rookie year. And yes, they were able to pivot and find a different way to get it done. Um, be it with Josh's legs and, and Singletary having a nice game. Um, but I think going into the playoffs, we can't really rely on that game plan of Singletary having that game every week. He has shown improvement, but, you know, I wouldn't count on that big of a game. Um, so so for me, it's kind of like a, an end-of-season get-right game where it's kind of get your confidence back up. And, yeah, I all the things I said before about, you know, I'm fine with the Bills going on the road in the playoffs and all that, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't really care what the outcome of this game is all that much. Um, but I would like to see Josh in there and kind of try to catch his stride a little bit uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, you said it best, going to the playoffs on a high note. All right, question number three. Question three. Because the regular season finale last year was, I think if we say the Antonio Williams game, every Bills fan knows what we are talking about because there are still, to this day, Folks out there, they're Antonio Williams truthers, and they they believe that he's the answer to all of our running game woes. And I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I'm going to use Breida for this one, Justin. So Matt Breida is going to get 10 carries in this game. Is that real or silly? Uh, so I'm going to go with that one being silly. A bunch of silliness. Um, I do think... You know, if everything plays out in my head the way I think it, it does, I, I do think a good amount of our starters get some rest in this game. Um, but I think that's going to look more like Singletary sitting down and them going to uh, Moss and then maybe Brita becomes that like third down running back and and maybe he gets, you know, a few touches. But I think we were kind of surprised but not surprised to see Moss active again in that Atlanta game and I think this is kind of like like I said kind of like a playoff atm- or a preseason atmosphere for this team and I think they're going to kind of take this and acknowledge that they're like right on the fence about having to make a tough decision on Zach Moss and I think they're going to use this game as an opportunity to to give him kind of like a one game showcase of like, Hey man, you're straight up the primary running back this game. 
go out there and show us why you should be around next year. I hadn't considered that. And I think that's probably a good point. I like that. I, I, I don't like that. I don't think Moss is getting carries, <laughs> but in this game, you know, because it's, it's not worthless. That's too strong of a term, but for all intents and purposes, it's worthless. It doesn't mean as much. We're going to win and we can take our foot off the gas a little bit. And I think that means motor gets the rest and maybe what you're saying makes sense. Uh, I guess in my mind, I, I was initially thinking that I could say the same thing for Brita. Brita was inactive a lot this year and maybe the TJ Yeldon game because TJ Yeldon came in the playoffs at a weird time last year. And um, I don't know. I, I'm talking myself out of it. Cause I was all set to say, yeah, Brita's going to get 10 carries. And now I think you've talked me the other way. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say, no, that's not happening. It's silly. I, I'm actually going to take it one step further just to kind of come full circle on this conversation. And I'm going to say that, and, and this is going to sound crazy and, and you may say that I'm crazy and that's fine. Um, but this is just kind of a feeling I have um, with them having brought Antonio Williams back to the practice squad. It feels to me and like Brita had his quick flashes. And as soon as those flashes happened, he had some mistakes putting the ball on the ground and, this coaching staff doesn't play games with that. And as soon as Brita was getting hot, just so like is that. Motor has two. Yes. And Motor has, has maintained the, the faith from the coaching staff. Whereas Brita, we just saw kind of disappear again right away. I think there might be a chance that bringing Williams back onto the practice squad, that we might see him activated for this game to be the third running back and just kind of see what he has in the, in the tank in case there was something that happened in the playoffs and we needed that running back. Yeah. Can I go there? I mean, sure. I think, I think I could see a path to that, but uh, he's been on the practice squad all year. They released him. No other team in the league, any team in the league can have him all year long. If they want him, he was actually a free agent. Didn't even get signed to another team's practice squad. We signed him back. And I don't know all the corresponding moves, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of love for Antonio Wims based on a really small sample size. Uh, I don't know. I guess I can see a path there, but I'm not buying it at this point. No, he's not active. That's my final answer. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think overwhelmingly I would I would be on the same side as you as I don't I don't see it as all that likely. Um but just just the way it seems like Brita fell out of favor real quick to me, I I just think that there's a chance that if they have if they go into it with the plan of Singletary resting like the whole game and it being Moss and somebody else, and and kind of similar to the point that I was making about Moss about you know kind of getting the eyeballs on him in a game that shouldn't matter all that much. I just wouldn't be that surprised if they if they wanted to take a look at Williams in that spot. That's all. All right, bonus question for you, Mr. Ooh. Goddard. Congratulations on making it all the way to the bonus round. Antonio Brown has an NFL job next year. Is that real or silly? I think that's real, and it should be silly. Uh, I don't know. The, the NFL has just shown time and time again that 
they they're willing to ignore some obvious red flags if if somebody has talent and for all the things you can say against Antonio Brown he he does have the talent and i i think there's just until he's ready to hang it up there's always going to be that team out there that's you know it's like the the ex cheating on you and it's like, yeah, I can change him. I will give him one more chance, you know, and somebody's going to be out there thinking, you know, yeah, he, he did that there, but you know, we can reel him in and, and we'll give him another chance here. And at this point, you know, you're, you're going to be talking like a veteran veteran minimum contract with some incentives. So I, I think I think there's a good chance that if he wants to play football next year, that somebody's going to take a flyer on him. Look at Josh Gordon, man. Yeah, sadly, I agree. I, 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 I you're exactly right. Everything you said, I'd say double. Like, there's only a limited amount of people who can do, do what he do, and when that talent is that scarce, you're allowed. You're not allowed. You're willing to put up with a lot more of that diva bullshit. And uh, that's part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers is going to have a job next year, even though he's a difficult personality. Um, Antonio Brown's going to have a job too, probably together. Watch them get together in like Denver or something. And then they have Cortland Sutton and uh, Jerry Judy and Antonio Brown. Watch that happening. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if something like that happened. I I will say that for the remainder of this season, I don't think the Bucks are going to outright release him. Um, you know, Bruce Arians comes out and says, you know, whatever he says, you know, he's he's no longer a Buck. Um, but I think strategically, strategical, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. I think the strategy for them would be keeping him on the roster because if you do release him, you know, we might not be having the conversation. Is he on a team next year? And I perfect example. You just said, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers could team up. You know, what if you release him from the Bucks and and the Packers are like, hey man, can you keep it together for you know the next six seven weeks so we can go win a Super Bowl with you? And there you go, Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown, and and I think Antonio Brown could probably suck it up for for you know the last month and a half two months of the season to kind of try to give the finger to Bruce Arians I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened if they set him free listen Antonio uh do you think you could not be an asshole for like a month I'm Just not making say- any promises man I'm not making and you have to keep all your clothes on I don't know I don't know it's all I'll talk to my agent. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a bunch of money. We just need like four focused weeks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin Goddard, man, it has been a pleasure to work with you. I'm so glad that you agreed, and I'm glad that we got hooked up as uh, Built in Buffalo brothers. And uh, I, I sincerely mean it. I've enjoyed working with you, and Andrew's been good to me too. And um, I. I I'm glad that you are you are carrying me every week, man. I, I enjoy our time. So thank you for helping me out these past six or eight months or so or whatever it's been. Hey, man, I, it has been an absolute honor. It's been a, a pleasure getting to know you. I, I've been looking forward to doing this every week. It's 
kind of bittersweet. It's you know the end of the era, but I I know you're kind of taking on a couple new steps in life. That you know the time's getting kind of tight, so I'm happy for you there, and and uh, I'll miss doing this with you. But and as I've told you before, um, Andrew agreed with me. You got you got an open door invitation on the Wandering Buffalo if you ever you know feel like blowing a little dust off a microphone and talking about the Bills for a week. I might take you up on that. Be around. All right. Justin, plug your stuff, please. All right. So as uh, you mentioned earlier, I am one half of the Wandering Buffalo podcast um, with my guy, Andrew. Um, You can find us on any social media by searching the Wandering Buffalo. You can find me personally on any social media at jgods22, and you can locate him at 2changs. There you go. Justin Goddard, once again, thank you so much. Go Bills. Go Bills, man. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average Joes by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go Go Bills. Bills! This is not your average podcast in the 716. We are back. We're not on Thursdays anymore. We're on Sundays. Before you head out to the game, check out me and Mike. Not your average podcast in the 716. Go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat. A built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me. First up in the Mafia hot seat this week is a built-in Buffalo team member, T. Estelle from Not Your Average Podcast in the 716, and someone who has always been really kind to me, and uh, I've certainly enjoyed working with you. T., how are you? I am good tonight. How are you? As I'm always better than I deserve. doesn't matter. I'm always doing good. I'm always doing better than I deserve. I'm going to miss that line. You can use it. <laughs> it's not the same. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're going into the Jets game. The Bills have a playoff spot locked up pretty much for all intents and purposes, have the division locked up. And, you know, we're going into the playoffs and uh, it feels good because not that long ago, we were just felt, it just felt like the Bills weren't not even part of the league, kind of always an afterthought looking for a bunch of help at the end of the year, but Meaningful games in December since McDermott's been around, and that feels good. Yes, it does. It feels really good. Um, what is it, five, four out of five? Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's something to be excited about, you know. So, I look forward to Sunday's game and playoffs with an S, many games. <laughs> That's right. One not done. That's the no, same, right? For sure. We're just not here just for one. We're here for, what is it, four games, four playoff games, right? Uh, the wild card, the divisional, the championship, and the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, so that's what we're here for. That's right. So I think I think if we don't win at least one playoff game, I think the season's probably a big disappointment to me. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, because what we did, yes, I mean, yesterday, last year, yes. I'm not into the whole Super Bowl or bus because there's 32 teams also trying to go to the same spot place we're going to. Is that a Super Bowl bus for them? You know what I mean? So I don't believe in that Super Bowl bus stuff or 31 teams rather. Yeah. And I, we, a lot of people had different expectations for the season. And I think maybe justice and I maybe talked about it a few times, but I was always a believer that, and when I say this, this doesn't mean I don't think the Bills are a great team or not capable of getting there. But I, I just to me that we, I never felt like we were the favorite. I felt like we were two or three, you know, one of the top teams in the in the AFC, but not the team. I, I never felt that way. So maybe that's why I don't have uh, such expectations, or it won't be as big of a disappointment to me. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can understand that as well. Um, it's just like what was that? That Philly team that went to the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody expected them to to go to the Super Bowl when they had was that Carson Wentz when he went and he went down and then uh, yeah they they finished with Nick Foles and yeah mm-hmm. they they beat Brady yeah yeah that was a good Super Bowl I really like <laughs> yeah that was that was one of the the best Super Bowls I was like wow how are they going to do this and they did it <laughs> with their backup so I'm not hoping any of that stuff happens to us. I'm just saying <laughs> nobody expected them to make it to the Super Bowl and win it. This isn't one of the questions T. So this is still, we haven't got there yet, but just a question for you. Mm-hmm. If there were, if you were going to make the Super Bowl <laughs> between two teams that just do not interest you at all, which two teams would that be? Ooh. Or maybe the better way to ask the questions is what is an AFC team that you hate the most? And what is an NFC team that you hate the most? AFC team, uh, the Browns and NFC. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a good one. Ah, um, geez. I would say Philly. Okay. Yeah, Philly, Philly, and the Browns. Interesting. Okay, for for me, if there's ever a New England and Cowboys Super Bowl, I just don't care. I'm rooting. I just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> just, you I know how care. just some Super Bowls look good, mm-hmm. and that the, yeah, no, those two don't. And anything with New England in it, I'm over it. Like well, I'm really. The- if if it's not the Cowboys, at least I have somebody to root against, right? I have a reason to watch right. the game. But if right. it's the Cowboys and Patriots, like I don't even want to root for either one of you. It was just like that when the New England went in with Tom Brady, and I forgot the other one, other team, and it was a low scoring um, Super Bowl. It was not interesting at all. I don't think it was. Was it the? It wasn't the Chiefs. Was the Chiefs didn't? Was it the Chiefs? No, it wasn't the Chiefs. It wasn't the Chiefs. But I can't remember who it was with New England. 
and they went in and it was just like it was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched. And I, I, it's gonna it's gonna kill me. Yeah. To see. Maybe I'll I'll post it on Twitter or something. <laughs> I, I want to revise my answer because this year, if it ended up for some alternate universe, an evil, you know, dark timeline where it ends up being New England against Tom Brady and, and the Bucks again. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah, I don't want that. Well, you know, that was up out there in the, in the, in the atmosphere that that was what they were trying to do. And I said, if this happens, I think I'm done watching football because then that must be, it means that it's fixed somehow. And I was like, please don't let this happen. Because, I mean, the way they were just hyping Mac Jones up, it was just ridiculous. I'm just so happy we knocked the shoe out of them, just over the Mac Jones experience. So let's go. I'm sorry. I was justice was finally getting back to me. Oh, no uh, problem. No, no. Uh, let's go ahead and get started because I do have, because you know, I'm lazy and I didn't put as much work into this pod <laughs> as I normally do. And I don't put that much work into a pod anyway. That's why I have to have people like you along T to help carry the episode. But I only have six questions this week. So you are the first one. So which one would you like? I'm going to take three. Split that in half. I'm, I think this is a good question because we are a very flawed team. Are mm-hmm. we good enough to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, but I wouldn't call us the favorite. And you and I just talked about that. So we're going into the offseason, and there's several things that we – areas where we might want to turn the eye of Sauron on and, and, and maybe find an upgrade. But where, how would you rank the offseason priorities right now, T? Hmm. See, before, see, if Tredavious didn't go down, I would have said corner. I wouldn't have said corner, right? Yes. Well, we need a corner regardless, I guess. But that's not my top. I guess my top would be interior linemen, um, O-linemen. We need some, and we have Spencer Brown. If we can get some Spencer Browns, some dogs like him, I will be fine. So I guess my O-line, um, cornerback, wide receiver, and safeties. Really? Safeties? Okay. Yeah. because I mean, they're good. We know they're good. But once they're down, that's a, it's a major drop. Yeah. I know a lot of people were really big on DeMar Hamlin coming into this season, and I, I don't know. That I was I too. I don't think I have a strong enough opinion on him to really feel one way or the other. He's plays he plays special teams too. So right. I don't I don't know either, but you know, I follow him a lot and hopefully he he turns out to be a good safety. And and again, you will never know because those two duels right there, they don't come out, out of the game and they're rarely hurt. And I don't want to jinx it. So <laughs> but hopefully he he's he's the guy that can step up. But we do need another safety, I think. You mentioned uh, cornerback, and that's I was all out about wanting. Give me a, another number one corner, or at least a significant investment in corner alongside Trey White on a rookie deal. You know where it doesn't really hurt the salary cap, and we'd be unstoppable. And yeah. it didn't happen. And it's not to say that I was never really anti Levi 
because that's not true. I like Levi. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's around, but I wanted him to be more of a depth piece. And that's not been an issue. The, no, the, it hasn't. And even really without Trey, it's not hurt us that bad. Now, Brady lit us up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, since Trey's been out, you know, it's not been that big of a drop off. Uh, so I have to kind of eat a little crow there that I, I, I was pretty loud and obnoxious about it. And that's not been the problem. Yeah. You know, once we go into the playoffs, I think, though, you know, I, I, let me let me backtrack. I think if we were going to ha- if we were if we were going to have an issue, it would have been with New England. And we didn't. So, I mean, I'm fine with Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace back there. And like you said, we do need a functioning and not saying that they are not no disrespect to them, but I just don't see that McDermott and Bean will go after that type of player because they have Tredavious white and they feel that Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace can do what they need. You know? So, I mean, I don't know. We do need, I think we need, because like you said, Wallace is like a bench player. You know, he's a backup we need to go after someone this this season, this off season. Well, I think Levi's proven to be a pretty competent number two. Maybe Absolutely. He's not a name throughout the league or anything, but I think we know what he does. But he's gone. Well, he's not gone. He's a free agent. So there's a possibility that he's not coming back. You know, he could end up coming back on another small deal. Or I think that. I think that if this were a regular off season, there'd be a team out there that might want to actually float him a contract. So I, on a regular off season where we're not recovering from a COVID cap, he might have some competition, maybe not so much this year. Absolutely. I mean, last year he didn't even, he told his agent not even to look at anyone. He wanted to resign with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Now there's tape out on Levi and Levi has been playing well. They may be people teams out here that want Levi now. So, I mean, Levi, is 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 good. He's a good player. He knows the scheme. He knows how to play. He's a walk on from was it Alabama, right? So he's he has that that mindset of you know I'm out here to play. So he's a hard worker. So I mean, uh, hopefully they sign him, and and we we get a uh, an, another cornerback or something. No one that's high because like I said, we're going into COVID prices and everything like that salaries. So. Of course, they're going to be looking because they don't stop looking. So, yeah, I'm not mad if he comes back. And I'm, I know a lot of <laughs> Bills Mafia might be a little bit higher on Dane Jackson than me. And I, when I, I, I have a hard time being all in on Dane. He's fine for where he's at. He's in mm-hmm. that piece right now. And I, I think he's fine there. But, you know, there's a certain section of the Mafia that's, you know, in his corner and hoping that he gets a chance to start. And I, I can't see that because I, not, he's good against the run. That's why. Dane Jackson is good against the run. Yeah, so. I, uh, but the, I want my corners to be <laughs> against the pass. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But I said it a minute ago, you know, he's been in there and it hasn't been a huge drop off. We right. would be even better right now if Trey were back, but, you know, it's not been bad. Uh, the offensive line, the interior offensive line, that is what every Bills fan is screaming about. And it's hard for me to disagree there. You know, even if we Ryan Bates ends up being what he is showing right now on a bigger sample size, Mm-hmm. He's still got finally though. Finally, it's it's weird how they've not been giving him a chance, but <sighs> he he was originally a tackle. Yeah, and we traded for him with the Eagles. I don't remember who we gave up. We gave up a player, I believe, for him. It was a player for player trade, mm-hmm. I think. 
And, uh, you know, oh, we like him because he actually played center in a preseason game and he can do this and this. And then he never he gets plays multiple positions throughout the whole line. But if we knew he was this good all along. And we exactly. Gonna, I don't know. We still and, need to make an investment there, like you said. And who who's to blame there? And, you know, of course, you don't want to, I guess, point blame. But who's to blame for that? Is it the, the, the line coach, Sean McDermott, Brandon? Who is it? Because if this guy has been waiting in the wing per se and hasn't been playing, but once he gets in, the line plays better. Why hasn't he been playing this whole time? Yeah, exactly. Is yeah, he, I, he's better than Feliciano. Why did you sign Feliciano to this, this, this contract that <laughs> this extension? I don't Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But there needs to be some investment there because we are very thin mm-hmm. and it was, it's been really bad for most of the season and uh, yeah, you're right. If we're looking into offseason priorities, that that's we got to make some investment there. And I, I'm sorry, there are people out there that are smarter than I am that want to stick up for Mitch Morse. Uh, Bruce Nolan talked about it today, so I always got to check myself when I disagree with Bruce. But I don't know that I want to agree with Bruce on this one. I think Mitch Morse has got some level of uncomfort on the hot seat because we could get better at center. I think. I think we could get better at center too. And also too, I think more or less it's the, it's the contract for a lot of people because he's, he's making a lot of money, but I don't know. I always think about this today when your line, your O line has been shuffled so much. And the only person on there is the same is, is Mitch Morris. It says a lot. You know what I mean? It says, I still have, I'm the main focus. I have to communicate with everyone on this line but there's every every so often there's not the same people on this line. It's a tough job. So I mean, I guess that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess I just got to give it to Mitch Morris. He's the only solid guy. Him and Deion Dawkins, and Deion's been out on and in and out because of COVID. But he's been the only solid guy on the line. So I I, I he I have to give it. I have to give him a little leeway. Yeah, I think most of us believe Spencer Brown will get there. Like he's a rookie. Oh yeah, he's. <laughs> look bad in some spots and he takes some stupid penalties and he does yeah. some silly things where even he's not getting penalized. I'm like, yeah, don't do that. But I just love his toughness. I, I, I love it. I love it. Next year we'll be talking about Spencer Brown, how much he has improved. So, I mean, I'll take some of those penalties, you know, drinking, chugging beer or whatever. <laughs> I'll take some of those because I know he's going to improve next year. Yeah. And you also mentioned wide receivers. So, you think that's still a need? Uh, I'm. I have a sneaking suspicion that our top three wide receivers of next year are already still on the roster. Oh, okay. So you think Beasley is going to stay? No, I. I think. I think Beasley's on the hot seat, and it doesn't have to be because I hate Beasley and his COVID stuff. Like I, that's not the case. I think he's an idiot, but he's a damn good slot receiver, and he's yes, prob- he is. But he's not like he was last year, and his skills are clearly in decline we know he's a tough player da, 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 da. i think i talked about this a few times but there is that salary cap figure he is mm-hmm. getting older availability is an issue with him right now and there is some of that drama and that's not the reason why we'd move on from him but i think it could be a small contributing factor oh, Plus, yeah. hey i am mckenzie let's get a better look at him and see what he does in the slot mm-hmm. so i um, i yeah. I, I think there's a, a better of an average chance that Beasley's not back. Yeah, 
I'll go 60-40 on that, that he, he won't return. I mean, they've seen what Isaiah McKenzie can do. Of course, he's not, you know, nowhere near a Beasley, but they can they see what he can do. So, I mean, I'm all for that. You can never get enough wide receivers. That's just my thing, you know. Why not pluck some on the, on the, on the practice squad? And we still got Hodges, right? Hodgins on the practice squad still? Yeah, I don't. I don't have a strong feeling on Hodgins. Like I've not seen enough of him to really have a full picture or body of work on, on what I should be expecting. So right now to my perception on him is if he develops, that's fantastic. I'll take it. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't, that's okay too. But I don't know that we should be counting on him to be right. No, absolutely. Uh, he'll certainly get the opportunity to prove it, but I don't know that that's something we should, he's a Jake Kumaro is what I. Right. Yeah. And coming out of college, he was supposed to be the better of, um, the Davis between him and Davis, he was supposed to be the better wide receiver. That's right. Which is, yeah. It, it's just, he's at, had injuries that has, you know, hindered him from being on the field. And it's sad because you would want to see, you want to see what that would look like. Yeah. You mentioned Gabe Davis and of course everybody's excited about him and he, this is a second good year in a row and he's mm-hmm. not a starter. He comes in in relief Last year he got time because John Brown was hurt this year, you know, Sanders, he's taken some of those reps, but he's, he hasn't really been the starter, but going into this year, I was okay. If we make him the number two, but just in case let's sign a veteran to, Mm -hmm. to, but what we did was we signed a a too high of a caliber uh, in Sanders and and bumped him down. So we kind of took away his chances again. I think next year he's the number two and he's going to get a chance to look at it. And I wouldn't, be surprised if like you said we do look for a veteran or even another you know fairly significant investment in a wide receiver in the draft mm-hmm. yeah because Diggs is staying um dawson knox is doing what he needs to do like he's has stepped up major so yeah yes which i was so excited about because me and mike did not want any other tight ends. We kept saying it on the off season. Dawson Knox, tight ends take time to, <laughs> to you know, to proceed through. Um, so I was just, I was just like the progression with Dawson Knox is there. People just have to just be patient, be patient, be patient, and look, look what's going on. He's producing. That's taken a little bit of the pressure off some of the other wide receivers too. I Absolutely. Mean, like, but the thing about Docs right now is, and I am this guy, I don't have to pretend that I'm not because every time he drops a pass, I'm going to be like, ah, it's coming back again. And that's not fair. <laughs> oh, you're because, tainted. Yeah. Because, oh no, he's back to old Knox, but that's not fair because yeah. we, we saw Diggs drop one this week too. And nobody's saying anything about that. It's ah, so I don't know if I'm ever really going to let him off the hook for that. Cause it's always going to be in the back of my mind and that's not fair, but it is what it is. I know it, it is unfair, but I think every fan, especially when it comes to Dawson Knox, we want him to catch every ball that comes his way. And it's like, that's not even realistic because all wide receivers drop balls. You know what I mean? So I get it. All right. <laughs> And uh, T, I think we, I think we about cover it. Unless you have anything else for me, I do. So, okay. So I have a question about running backs. Do you think we go and get a running back in the draft, or do you think we look through um, free agency? 
I I don't know. I would have said no on free agency, but I mean, we got Brita on the league minimum pretty much. And I don't think we're going to spend a premium asset on a running back mm-hmm. because yeah. the running backs are not the problem. I, I think it's run blocking is a problem up yes. the middle. And we saw Singletary take the load this week. I've, I'm going to disagree with – I'm team motor. Anybody that listens to me knows how much I love motor. Yeah, but me to me, motor isn't a true feature back. Mm-mm. I think he needs to split carries with somebody else. And ideally, I'd like to see like a fifth or sixth round running back take – the make an investment there. It doesn't have to be a big one. Just somebody with a different skill set. You want a fast running back, and it'd be great if that running back could also return punts or something like that. Um, but that's what I'd like to see. So is um Barkley from the Giants, is he a free agent? No, he's not a free agent. I believe oh, he's coming up on his fifth year option. But I have zero interest in Saquon. As much as I loved early career Saquon. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give up an asset for that guy who's broken right now and we're right. going to have to re-sign and give up a draft capital and then pay to a giant contract too. Like I don't have any interest in that. And I don't think bringing him in here would get a significantly more return on that investment. Do you, do you think I'm wrong there? I don't. And I don't, I guess they're not known for doing stuff like that anyway, though. So I don't think that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott would look at, look at it. I just seen him tie it to us and I just wanted your opinion on it, but I'm good. I'm good with him not coming. Yeah. Like you said, you can, you can, you can find running backs a diamond dozen, you know, you, uh, what a uh, fourth rounder, rounder, fifth rounders up like that and get them for nothing. So, yeah. And we do still have Singletary on one more year. So it's not, you know, we, we do need to address it because unless we're really believing in Moss, which I do not, I do not believe in Moss. Yeah. And I, it's, and I guess when they drafted Moss, I just didn't understand it because I'm like, isn't he a Devin Singletary? And they're like, no, he runs, you know, harder than Moss. He can run through people. He'll have people making decisions. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't see it. There's people that love Moss. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I see he runs toward a tackler and then doesn't usually break the tackle. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like um, um, Stevenson running up the guards back yeah. and the punt return. I was just like, come on, <laughs> not yeah. using your vision. Yeah. That was not a good game for Stevenson. No, not at all. We will pro I guarantee you we'll see some more of him getting another look this week against the jets though. Cause we're going into the playoffs and we got to figure that out. I don't think we want to have that big of a question mark in a playoff run. You know, but I said this on my pod today. I'm good with, who is it? Um, Jordan Poyer that takes putts, right? He, he can, can catch them. Yeah. He can catch. I'm good with letting him catch the ball and we start from there and we have our quarterback take it down the field. Ah, so I had this conversation with Jay Spence a few weeks ago and I love Jay Spence. So like I said, Anytime someone that's smarter than I am disagree with me, I have to check myself. But I, I'm i okay with doing that on kickoffs. I yes. Kickoffs make sense. Punts, I think, you're giving up yards. So if you – I mean, if you talk okay. about a 10-yard return on a 60-yard field, you're giving up you know, a significant percentage of field, and that could mean the difference between a field goal or not. So I'd really like to have a good punt returner, and I care less about kicks. Yes. Yes. I got you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, well, we need to find the right guy. And I know everybody wants, what's the name back? Um, Roberts. Roberts wants him back. And he's fumbled as well this season. So we just need to find our guy. And that's it. If it's McKinsey, let him do it. If it's not, uh, okay. I don't know. We have to figure it out, like you said. All right. T. Estelle, not your average podcast in the 716. Why don't you plug your stuff, T.? Um, hey, I am on the Building Buffalo. We drop, well, we're live every Thursdays at two o'clock on the Building Buffalo Facebook. Check us out over there. We drop it on Sundays. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel too as well. Not your average podcast in the 716. See, I am so glad that I got to uh, hang out with you a little bit and thank you for everything that you've done for me. And I, I, I'm so glad I told Dave that he, uh, as soon as I knew he was looking for somebody else, I was like, Hey, you should talk to T. And he's like, I already am. I, th- I thought I was doing you a big solid <laughs> and he was already hip to you. So well, I appreciate everything. I appreciate everything you have helped me with Vince. You have been um, a wonderful person to connect with and to, talk to about football and everything else, you know, personal stuff as well. But um, I'm definitely going to miss you. I'm definitely going to keep in contact with you. But on the podcast note, um, you're definitely one of the best and I appreciate you. Well, that is not true, but I appreciate it. (laughs) But I'm fucking lovable though, man. You are. (laughs) You are, man. All right, T. Thank you so much for everything. You can find, find T. She is a member of this network. And uh, go Bills. Go Bills. All right, Bills Mafia. Next up in the Mafia hot seat is man, the myth, the legend, the GM, the president, the king. I don't know. I, I'm running out of terms to use for you, Justice. But Justice General, fellow built-in Buffalo brother, one of the reasons why, actually the reason why I came to the network and one of the most beloved mascots in the podcasting community. So, Justice, how are you? Um. Listen, man, I'm super excited that you every I'll tell you this every single time I, I get an opportunity to speak with you. I'm so glad you decided to join the team um, that this whole thing has just been that much greater because you're a part of it. And me, I'm, I'm just a dumb podcaster from Buffalo, New York. So, you know, hey, I'm just a dumb podcaster from Indiana. 
I know that, you know, that's what we have in common, right? That, no, it's I stole that from you. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> if we add our two IQs, does that make us smarter? Is that the I way think that it works? Does. I, I okay, think it, good. It, it, at the very least, right? Yeah. The combined IQ power of Vince and Justice makes us super. To be fair, the, most humans aren't very smart, so I think we'd have the upper edge. Okay. Well, I've seen some humans lately and I don't want to... <laughs> uh, But um yeah, Justice, man, it's been so cool to get to get to know you and talk to you and you know the last 8 months or I you were probably you and I were communicating like a year, so a little bit longer than most before I was with the network. Yeah. But um, I, I just I just knew you were like you know like you Cause I, I don't know, like when he, he told me, he was just like, Hey guy, we need like, you know, people to join the team. We need more uh, content. And I was like, Oh, Vince, Vince Taylor. He has a podcast. I was like, that's the first thing I thought of. And, you know, he said he reached out to you and you know, you were on the fence and I was like, Oh no, I have to do whatever I have to do to get Vince to join this team. And listen, that all, everything I've done in this entire year, um, anything football bills, Bucks and Buffalo related, Getting Vince Taylor to join Bills and Buffalo is the greatest accomplishment I've had today. I promise you guys. Okay. All right. Let's not go crazy. Let's back that up a little bit. I'm Listen, no lie. I'm so serious. Well, I'm getting, I don't, I'm getting uncomfortable with all this fluffy <laughs> stuff. So we're just going <laughs> to blow right by all this, but thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I am very lazy justice because I usually come up with 10 questions this week. I, I didn't, I had a hard time coming up with good questions this week, and I only came up with six. So, okay. I you have a second person to go. There is all the numbers on the board except number three. Which one would you like? <sighs> um, let's go Stevenson. Let's go five. Five. Okay. Uh, T and I just talked about this. This is a, a, a good question. I mean, we've talked about it off topic, but – you know, we've seen a couple of games now from Ryan Bates where the offenses, the offensive line has looked pretty good with him in mm-hmm. there. Even the, even the run game. Is it really so simple as Ryan Bates being the answer to the offensive line next year? Listen, man, this this line is so weird. Like, I don't even know. Like, because you think about it, it, at first it was Spencer Brown, right? Spencer Brown was like the missing piece of the puzzle. And then every time Spencer Brown paid, played, you know, we played fine. He was out and we got bust by the Jaguars. And then it was like, oh, we need Spencer Brown back. Then we got Spencer Brown back. And he had a rough couple of weeks and then the line wasn't great anyway. And then Ryan Bates comes in and we've been great the last two weeks um, up front. Uh, and I don't know, man, I, I'm not really sure. Um, but it certainly looks like it, right? I mean, although uh, Deion Dawkins has gotten healthy and uh, he has been playing his little tail off, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, obviously he earned a Pro Bowl nod. Uh, I didn't think he deserved it at first. I'm just going to be blunt. I did not. I was very shocked and I was confused, um, especially when you consider a guy like Josh Allen and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde weren't, you know, selected to the Pro Bowl. To see Deion Dawkins was, I was just like, that is probably the least deserving member of our offense who, who was, uh, you know, in contention of getting a pro bowl spot to actually get it. And he was the only one that wasn't an alternate him and Stefan Diggs, obviously. So uh, very shocked, but he, he definitely has been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. 
uh, you know, running through guys, you know, putting guys on their back. He had a couple pancakes, um, 92 PFF grade last week. Like, you know, he, he's been very good. And um, with the emergence of our run game, I guess you could say, you know, because typically, obviously, we have Josh Allen running the ball and he's a hell of a runner. But we had Devin Singletary break 100 yards for the first time in a few years. So that was pretty awesome. And um, I, I get, I think I need to see more from Ryan Bates before I can fully answer this question. But I mean, hey, go with what works. You know, <laughs> if it works, don't don't try to fix it. You know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious, and maybe I haven't seen the numbers about where Singletary was running, and it, maybe if it running to his side or not. But I did think all along the I was fine with Spencer Brown, and I know he's a rookie; he takes his lumps. He hasn't been great there was a lot of people that were worried about Dion Dawkins. I was never worried about it. Like I knew we have a body, a big enough body of work for Dion. People talking about cutting him on Twitter and like, come yeah, on, that's, that's, that's too much. But I was never worried about it. I knew he was going to get back on track, but the three interior pieces and, and that includes Mitch Morse, Mitch Morse. I was fairly concerned with, but I also had an idea that maybe if you just upgrade one out of those three, that could probably go a pretty long way. And maybe, but we still have such a small sample size of Ryan Bates for me to be like next year, be like, ah, it's fine. We're going to have Ryan Bates for a full year. I don't know that I feel that way. Uh, I definitely, I think, I think that people are just like emotion driven and, you know, you're looking at the offensive line and, and you're looking at Deion Dawkins and he's supposed to be the anchor and he's not performing well. The entire line is not performing well. You just want to have somebody to lash out at, you know, like, for instance, me saying Brian Dayball should be fired. Now, although for a while I genuinely believed that, um, it was kind of irritating to see how stubborn he was being. Um, but then I look back at the offensive line and how many issues, you know, they were having. And I'm just like, all right, well, maybe that's why he was being stubborn. And hey, maybe that is a reason as to why he opened up the playbook these last couple of weeks, because he had more confidence in the offensive line. I'm not sure. Um, and I, I, I personally did put the offensive line on him because I figured, hey, if you want to get certain things done, you know what the goal is, you know, when you call a play. You know that if this if this play is to get you a couple yards or if this is a big, you know, big play down. And um, I feel like you could help out the offensive line and maybe hide some of your weaknesses a little bit better. You know, you don't need five people going off for pass every down. You know, you could have a couple tight ends staying in block, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but last week and the week before that, they had got it together. Brian Dayball has been masterful. Uh, two straight games with no punts. I love the aggression. I love the creativity. Uh, they need to keep it going. And it's so easy. Like, I mean, over the years, you've, you've been a Bills fan. You've seen how, for whatever reason, the New York Jets just always stay close with us. I don't want to see that. I want to see a blowout. I want to see, you know, Dayball get ready for the playoffs with a, a basically, you know how, like, in college football, they'll have Alabama play, like, Appalachian State or something like that as like the first week, you know, the kind of warm up game. Mm -hmm. That's how we need to treat the Jets going into the playoffs. They are they are our warm up game, and I, I want to see Dayball go for the jugular. You know, I want to see him drop fifty on Salah's head, or you know, I, 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 and our defense is obviously they're going to take care of themselves. Uh, they they typically do eighty five percent of the time. The defense is 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 fine. So uh, I really just want to see the offense absolutely you know get it going 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, there's some thought, you know, hey, do we arrest people? And uh, we still what? got some things to work on. We yeah. need uh, – we just had not the greatest game against the Atlanta Falcons. And I would kind of like to see them attempt to run the score up a little bit. Maybe when the score gets like 40 to 10, or if it would get that far, maybe then you consider pulling Josh. But I, I do want to see that. I'm, I'm 100% with you right there. Yeah, 100%. And I have a question for you. On a scale from like A to F, what would you rank Josh's performance uh, in the Atlanta Falcons game? I, I heard you uh, on the windchill, and you and I are going to disagree on this. I, <laughs> I mean, I, yes, he does have the ability to make up for some of his deficiencies with his legs, and that's exactly what happened. But I don't think I want to move the goalpost. That was a bad game for Josh. And, you know, he you can talk about the drop touchdown by uh, Diggs, and but that, that doesn't really move the needle for me. And a couple of his interceptions were on tip balls. And I, I heard you going off. And you're right, by the way. I'm not at all disagreeing with you when sometimes Josh, the way that I want to say this, and I think we say the same thing, we just say it differently sometimes, is we're going to live with Josh making bad decisions and forcing balls sometimes when he should. And it's going to work out much more yeah. often than it wasn't. And that's right. what we saw in one of those interceptions, the end zone interception for him against Atlanta. But it, overall, it was still a bad game. You know, there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't think it's always, always, always on the quarterback, but this was one of Josh's worst games. We still got the win despite him not having his A game. That is the identity of this team is not work. Josh doesn't work from structure all the time. Most of the time he's running around and making plays to Gabe Davis or whoever. Uh, but we were able to win without our identity and that there's some positive there. Even if it was against Atlanta, there's some positive there. Yeah. I, and I'm not, obviously, uh, you know, you've heard my opinion. So of course we disagree, but I'm not mad at, you know, that response. Um, I, I understand why people say he had a bad game. Um, for me, it was just like, I said, he didn't have such a bad game. I felt like he, excuse me, I felt like he had a, a pretty good game. You know, I, I mentioned how the three interceptions, I don't think they were bad throws. They were just unfortunate results. You know, um, I think the, obviously the one where you force it down in the end zone, again, I'm, uh, you've heard me, but um, I, I'm not mad at that only because when Josh is aggressive, you know, like you just said, typically it works. And then of course, sometimes it goes a little, you know, array, but um Ultimately, I like the aggression because I would much rather see an aggressive Josh Allen and, and Brian Dayball than to see the conservative BS that we had to sit through uh, about eight, eight weeks in the in the middle of the season. You know, I did not like seeing that at all. And it wasn't impressive. It didn't wasn't inspiring. It didn't make you feel like, hey, this team can win a championship. You know, it was just like okay, our defense played well and we got the win or we barely got the win or got, you know, even worse, we lost, um, you know, because our offense couldn't score more than nine points on the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know? So ultimately I say that I like the aggression there. And um, I feel like obviously the other two passes um, were unfortunate outcomes as well. But uh, the reason I say, I feel like he had a good game is because, when I look at his throws individually, like the throws, I say, okay, he was fairly accurate today. He was he was accurate today. Only problem was there was a lot of tip balls. The Falcons were getting their hands up and they were, you know, making life a little difficult for him, which I say kudos to the Falcons on that, not necessarily that Josh was having a bad game. So that's that's just 
you know, where I was going with that in terms of I feel like Josh has a good game because I feel like I don't know if you saw it, but like somebody got really mad at me on Twitter for saying that Josh had a good game. He was like livid and he started like attacking me personally. And so that that was me. Like, I don't really have a problem when people disagree with me or when people say something that I disagree with. I might debate them depending on what it is, you know, but it'll always be friendly, you know. Um, but, you know, people seem to have a problem with my opinion sometimes. And then that's where the the debates come in most of the time. Um, so, again, I don't I don't have a problem with anything you said, because I, I think that everything you said was correct. Um, I think I just think that I guess I, I put a little less on him for the turnovers than most people do, which, you know, is totally understandable. I, I totally see looking at that stat line and saying, oh, Josh had a bad game. You know, I get it. I just looking at it, you know, from an individual play standpoint, I, I would say he had a, a better game than what people most people would say. Well, I agree with you. Stat lines are deceiving many times, but in this case, I still think he had, he, he didn't have a great game. This is one of his worst games. And, you know, the, the, to tip balls, that's on a quarterback, you know, thinking you have a lane there when you don't, that's, that's on the quarterback. But I'm yeah. also, you mentioned being aggressive with Josh is going to pay off much more than it is not going to pay off. So I agree with you there. I don't, I'm not even mad. Like I'm not even mad at the bad game. And I'm not worried. Like it's, it's an anomaly. Like he's going right. to bet. It's very likely that the first round of the playoffs, he comes out and throws for 350 or 400 yards. It's also completely likely that he comes out and gets like 225 and maybe two. You know, and I'm not worried about it at all. Josh is going to be Josh, and and we still have one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. So there's no reason to be panicky. But I, I still think it was a bad game. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, but like you said. It was it was pretty cool to see, hey, you know, your bread and butter, what you depend on week in and week out, can't you win you the football games today? And they found a, another way to go out there and get the W. Devin Singletary rushing for over 100. Josh given another like 70, I believe it was. So that was really impressive. And I was I was really happy with the way the Bills won. Um, wasn't super excited with that little swing that happened before halftime. Um, but Again, I wasn't really worried. Um, I figured we would come back and win the game, you know, comfortably. Um, but it, it didn't feel good to, to you know, <laughs> go through in real time. Because in the playoffs, I don't know. You know, you may not come back from that, you know, depending on who you're playing. Um, but, yeah. It, real quick, before we go, um, Vince, I, I do want to ask you, who is the most dangerous team in the AFC uh, that you do not want to see the Bills play in in the playoffs. Uh, do you mean in general or the first round? Uh, let's go in general. I'm a, I'm still. I think the the Chiefs are back. They're definitely one that I. I don't think it's it's not going to be one sided. Like they're not going to roll over us. It will be a tougher game, and I really do wish we had Trey White back. So they're they're one team, and I think the Colts can still give us a, a good thumping if. You know, it's not going to happen with a fumble on the, you know, on a kickoff again. That stuff's not going to happen. That game could very well go differently. Uh, I'm much more scared of Patrick Mahomes than I am Carson Wentz, but I think the Colts have a, they, they just match up with us, I think, better. So yeah. I, 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 the Colts, it's probably one Chiefs and two Colts. I, I, I have it this same. Well, I have one Colts, two Chiefs. Um, and I only say that because the obviously, like you just mentioned, the, the Colts put a little thumping on us. Um, 
and I do think the game will turn out differently in terms of at least how you get to the, the ending outcome. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be a blowout where every unfortunate thing in the book happens to the Bills and, you know, they kind of just take advantage of everything. Because if you think about it, that's kind of what happened with the Titans game last year. Um, to me, the Chiefs aren't that scary, at least relative to what they were last year, um, because we just watched the Chargers beat the Colts not the Chargers. We just watched the Chargers beat the Chiefs in a regular season. They lost a couple games. And then Chargers in the second game, they should have beaten them if Brandon Staley wasn't so aggressive. And I get the aggression, but not so aggressive. If he takes just one of those field goals, they win the game in regulation. And then, you know, obviously the Chiefs went ahead and lost to the Bengals, who I don't think people really thought the Bengals were for real, but they look for real. So, um, I'm not that scared of the Chiefs. I'm kind of, I kind of feel good because like I saw this one stat where it said if every game had gone the opposite way in a one score game. Mm -hmm. So like every, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. if if it was the opposite way, the bills are 15 and one as a team. So it's either we lose a close game or we're blowing somebody out, you know? So I still think, you know, we're a really good team. And I think we have the best roster top to bottom in the AFC. I think it would be the NFL if the if the Rams didn't exist because their roster is obviously unfair. Um, but I, I do think that the Bills have what it takes to, to beat anybody in this league. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I know who we are. I know what our potential is, but I also know how our potential is, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, we absolutely. can go really well. We can also go really terrible. So that, I mean, I think other teams, I think the chiefs are probably looking at us the same way. I think, I think the Colts yeah. even, I, I had lunch with a, a friend the other day and he's been a great friend of mine for years. He was uh, my intern supervisor many years back and we've stayed close, but we had lunch the other day and he said, um, he doesn't, the team that he's most scared of is the bills. And I was like, really? You guys smack this around? He's like, yeah, I know, but Josh Allen is just that good. Yeah. Um, so th- I know other teams and other teams' fan bases are looking at us the same way. And it, because the Bills are such an enigma, it could go either way any week. That's the NFL anyway. But um, based on the body work, you know, you just, I don't know who you're getting with the Bills. You could get right. really good Bills or you can get, yeah, Bills. Yeah, you definitely have to keep your eyes peeled because it, it, the inconsistencies are overwhelming, you know, um, to a degree. Um, the only thing that kind of gives me a little bit of saving grace is that we haven't seen that roller coaster bills in a few weeks, um, you know, and maybe with the because to be fair, the main reason for the roller coaster was, you know, the way the offensive line was playing. We see the offensive line is playing a lot better. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we'll see what they do against the Jets and hopefully they can keep it rolling through the postseason. Um, but I feel like if our offensive line is on point, then sky's the limit. So, okay, Bestus, do you have anything else for me? No, man. Um, is, is this your final show? It is. Wow. So, man, listen, I, I just want to thank you for being a part of this brand. Um, for, you know, being a positive influence on my life. You are someone who has inspired me to work as hard as I do, to keep going, to, you know, just stay the course and, and persevere. So I, I really appreciate, you know, the opportunity I got to meet you. And and one of the, the saddest moments that I think um, 
I could think back on is not having the opportunity to go to that football game and seeing you and Jake. That is something that I, I really, I'm really disappointed in. Um, but next time you're in Buffalo, you know, uh, we're, we're going to a game and, and dinner's on me, man. I'm coming to your house. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to complain about whatever you're eating. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to help myself. I'm just going to come in the front door and be like, "What's for What's for dinner, Justice?" Absolutely. Just... <laughs> Look, man, you you you're, you're family, bro. You've earned that right. So, absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. I love you. I'm super super excited to see what else you have going on in the future. I know you're working on some other stuff, and uh, I'm definitely gonna keep tabs on you, my friend. We'll stay in touch. Same with you, man. I love you back. And um, I'm, congratulations, you know, on the opportunity that you did get. Um, I know you're going to kill it. And I know you're going to go out there and do great things. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to see you as well. We'll, we'll head to the, to the top together. <laughs> All right. Go Bills. Go Bills. gentlemen of bill's mafia last but certainly not least in the mafia hot seat we have over from the built-in buffalo youtube channel the caveman one of the most energetic deliveries in the game and one of my favorite people on the network so caveman how are you i'm doing great man i'm happy to be a part of the final mafia hot seat it's it's an honor it, it truthfully is I'm, I'm happy that you asked me it means a lot Ah, oh, shucks. Yeah. Well, I mean it, man. You're, you're one of my favorites. I, I like your work. Uh, I don't get on the YouTube channels very much, but when I do, I try to make sure that I stop by and look at your work because I, I enjoy your, your energetic delivery. Uh, I've always said you're kind of bold and you have a different energy and I mean it. You're, you're very different, I think, than a lot of content creators out there. So um, I'm very jealous in that regard. I think, I think you're super <laughs> talented. So thank you for giving me some of your time tonight. Of course, I'm happy to be a part. I'm I'm ready to kick some ass in this in this mafia hot seat and give you uh, give you some good conversation. You always kick ass, my man. Uh, I I was lazy because I'm lazy. I'm lazy, and I couldn't come up with ten good questions this week. I only came up with six, and you were the third person to go, which means numbers three and five are off the board, caveman. Which one would you like? Um, let's go with number one. Why not? Okay. <laughs> I like this question because I know even within built in Buffalo, there are some dissenters to this idea, but um, Gabe Davis having another good season, he kind of in fill in duty, not really a true number two, but kind of, you know, taking advantage when he gets the opportunity. But do you see enough from him caveman to, to be comfortable just going into next year as him as a number two? I would, I think it's kind of hard to say no. I mean, you know, like you said, he's not really 
you know, playing a starting number two role. But when he's gotten his opportunity, I think he's been our second best wide receiver. Um, and production-wise, you could argue he's been our best. You know, I'm not going to ever put him over Stefan. But, you know, at the end of the day, production's important. And Gabe Davis has brought us to that. Um, so, I, I honestly, if Gabe Davis isn't somebody you're comfortable with going into into a second year, I'm not sure what else you're really looking for. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders started off pretty hot. And, you know, I think he's been dealing with a couple injuries. I think he's been dealing with a Neil ailment. Um, and Josh Allen had a difficulty hitting him downfield this year, which I think was kind of the big part of, you know, bringing him along. And so I wouldn't say he hasn't panned out, but I would say that he hasn't been as impactful as I think we were all hoping. With that being said, you know, Gabe Davis has stepped into that role. And I think it's, you know, hard to sit here and say you can replace him or, you know, bump him back into a, you know, a filler role when he's been so impactful, you know, playing that filler role as it is. Yeah. Bumping him all the way back to four or five. Now I'm not, I've never been as down on Emmanuel Sanders as some maybe other fans were at. He's an older wide receiver. I think it's very likely that he shows up in the playoffs and has big games because he's Emmanuel Sanders. He can do that. He still has that ability. Uh, Maybe it's not been the great year for him and he's been kind of spotty, but I'm not willing to write him off, but he's an older wide receiver on a one-year deal. How do you justify not giving Gabe at least a look. You don't have to roll with it all the time. Like I think you can start the season with him. Of course, he's going to compete in training camp, but why wouldn't you just start the season at number two and see how it goes and and make sure that you have some viable backups uh, or or replacements in case it doesn't go as well as you thought, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree that, I mean, we went into this year with, probably one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in the, in the entire NFL. And um, I, I think the production has surprisingly been down, at least from the guys we expected it to come from um, being, you know, I wouldn't say Stefan Diggs' production's uh, down, but it's definitely not up to the part it was last year. Um, Cole Beasley's been near invisible in some matchups. Um, we've seen flashes of Dawson Knox as well, but he's been in and out. Um, Gabe Davis, I think when playing, he's been the most consistent wide receiver we have. And that's, you know, pretty impressive to say for a second year guy surrounded by so much talent. So I, like I said, I think it's pretty hard to overlook that and, you know, decide you want to bump him back down the depth chart to give other people opportunities when he's proven more than enough. Yeah. The emergence of Dawson Knox, I was just talking about this with T a little while ago, certainly does lessen the pressure and the need to, to have strong too. And Beasley not being Beasley really this year, like having Dawson Knox do what he's doing this year certainly alleviates a lot of that pressure. Um, so I don't know. I, I, do you think they're going to draft somebody? Oh boy. If they do, it's not going to be till very late. Um, I think Brandon Bean is going to go into this off season upset. Um, I think he's going to go into it with the similar mindset to how he went into it last year. Um, he's going to address what we need to address and he's going to, he's going to chase it hard. Um, and, and I think it's going to be offensive line this time around. Last year it was defensive line. This year it's going to be offensive line. Um, so I think he's going to attack it hard, and I think he's going to go after the the areas we need depth, um, and I hope he goes after a corner a little bit earlier. Um, and I like to think of – obviously it would be very irresponsible and almost stupid, but the idea of drafting uh, Sauce Gardner, that, that kid out of Cincinnati at corner, he's apparently not given up a touchdown in his entire college career, and he's been easily the best corner it kind of excites me to think you could play him with a guy like Trevon or Tredavious White. I'm sorry. Um, but either way, I, I think a wide receiver would probably come maybe late, 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 if anything. But I think we're deep enough. 
So like another Isaiah Hodgins or Stevenson type to maybe fill out the back of the roster. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think if there's a guy back there, you know, best player available type thing, I think Brandon Bean will chase him. If he's got a couple uh, physical tools that he likes, if he's huge, freakishly fast, then maybe he'll chase a guy like that. But otherwise I don't think he'll, uh, he'll reach too hard back there. So what about Beasley? Do you think Beasley's back? Um, I just had this conversation when I was on the uh, Wednesday night um, home field advantage and we were talking about it. Um, Man, it's it's hard to say. Some people were arguing about the fact that Cole Beasley hasn't been elite this year, but, you know, he has been elite. And, you know, I think there's a fine line that Cole Beasley's walking on right now where um, I think he's stirred up enough of a commotion while at the same time not being as production. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? productive as productive thank you and um so it makes me kind of think like all right maybe we we do go ahead and replace him but you know i think it all depends on the fold and where we view him on this depth chart and how much we plan on using him next year um i think colby easily is still easily one of the best slot wide receivers in the nfl but if we're going to go into next season and we're we're going to do it like a you know, play it by ear basis where we don't know if we're going to use him very often. We don't know if he's going to be implemented in game plans on a week to week basis. Then I don't think it's honestly worth it. I think, you know, he's kind of been under underutilized this year for a combination of, you know, whatever reasons you want to explain. But it, unless he's 100 percent in the fold, um, I, I don't know if he's going to be back. So I, I guess it'll be all dependent on how they view on using him. Yeah, I, I think. I, I had this conversation with you a little while ago, but I, I think when you talk negatively about Cole Beasley at this point, there is a certain amount of mafia members that they equate that because of the vaccine stance or whatever. And I don't even know that that's a huge contributing factor. I think there's probably some contributing value there, but I don't think that's the reason. I think availability matters. I think he's old. I think he's expensive and I think he's declining. And that's not to say that he still isn't effective or can be effective, but availability matters. And uh, I don't know, like we have to sign re-sign Isaiah. Where do you find money in a COVID strapped year? Because we're not past that yet. So he will be cheaper than Beasley, um, more cheaper, more expensive than he was this year, you know, for getting McKenzie back, but still cheaper than Beasley. So that stuff matters. You know, I think that stuff's going to add it to the equation. I'm not actively rooting for it, um, but I'm not mad if he goes either. Yeah, I'm kind of pretty much on the same boat, honestly. Like, if he left, I believe that, you know, we felt like whoever's going to replace him is going to do more than a good enough job. But I'd be, you know, I'd be fine with him sticking around as well. I just hope that we don't hold on to him, pay him a, pay him X amount of dollars just to kind of have him play the role he's playing this year. And, you know, I want him to be healthy. I want him to be involved in game plans because he was our second best receiver last year. And if he's going to be able to play to that capability, we gotta we gotta involve him. And you know, I just hope we don't we don't pay him or we don't have him stick around and then just kind of have him there sometimes. Then he's not. I don't know. I just want him to be involved if he's if he's sticking around. Yeah, for what he does on the field, it's it is a shame that we're at the point where we're, we're talking to him like we're, he's got one foot out the door. I don't feel good about it, but I think realistically, you have to think about it. You know, he did play on a broken leg for us. He's got sore ribs this year, uh, but he also made, you know, a big deal about the vaccine and, and cost himself games because of that. And you know, even when he's on the field, you don't see him doing the same Beasley things. But what, some of the things I love about Beasley is 
his ability to shake that slot defender and you don't and find a little hole in the, in the zone. And he's really, really good at knowing where the first down marker is and taking the best angle. And he just lays down and gets it. He doesn't shake and bake. He's just going to dive forward. And like, he's really good at a lot of little things and, and we'll miss him when he's gone. But that guy isn't the same. Yeah. I, you, you said it. I mean, one of the biggest things I can remember about Cole Beasley over the last couple of years now is him always coming up huge in third and longs or second and longs. And he's always at the sticks, always, always, always at the sticks. I remember, I think it was the Rams comeback game on our final drive. He, I think we had like a third and like 16 or something like that after I think Josh took a face mask or something, uh, something absurd. And Cole Beasley somehow, somehow was right at the sticks. I, I'm not sure if you recall what I'm talking about, but that play always sticks out in my mind when I think about Cole Beasley. Um, yeah, he's he's excellent. It's it's hard to it's hard to duplicate a guy like that, but you know we know how Bean and McDermott run things. It's all about culture. It's always uh, you know being involved, doing what's best for the team. And if they don't think you know they're going to involve them as much next year, and, and they don't want to deal with the headache, then I, I think it's a very large possibility we could see him out the door. And I think that goes for anybody. You know, I don't think this year's gone to plan uh, as far as anybody's expectations surrounding the franchise has gone. And, and with that being said, I think everybody's job other than Diggs, Tredavious White, Matt Milano, and like the safeties and Josh, of course, um, you know, I think everybody's job can be, can be digged at and analyzed and really, you know, are we actually going to bring you back? You know, that is, that's an excellent thought. Um, so let me ask, let me put that back on you, caveman, your same logic. I'm going to put it right back on you. Who's a surprise player. That's not back next year. Oh boy. Um, that's hard. That's hard. I, I I think it's – I don't think this would be a surprise, but I think hopefully, hopefully it'll be about time we see Cody Ford out the window. Um, like I said, that's not a shock. Um, I think maybe we move on from – potentially move on from Jerry Hughes. Yeah. Um, he, he has not been, you know, what we, uh, what we hoped. I think partially, you know, I, I've kind of bashed Gregory Rousseau a little bit more than I think he deserves – um, because, you know, everybody had him so hyped up, you know, in the preseason and then the first I couple of weeks, he seemed to be making a big impact. Right. And, you know, he's been invisible. I don't think he's had a sack since that. I mean, he had a sack in that Falcons game, I believe. But other than that, I mean, they, he's been basically invisible. And I think that's partially because he's not he's not a guy that's going to get to the quarterback first. I think he needed that that guy to pressure a quarterback into him. I mean, we, we had Gregory Rousseau coming in on this team as, you know, he's the cleanup guy. He's the finisher. And we were thinking like, oh, Jerry Hughes, he's going to bring all the pressure to the quarterback and Rousseau is going to come on the other side and just clean it up. And I think part of the reason that Rousseau hasn't been you know, producing at that level is one, because he's a rookie, he's still young. And two is because Jerry Hughes hasn't been creating that same amount of pressure. And I know there's probably some stupid stat out there that says Jerry Hughes is still generating like top five pressure in the entire NFL or some BS. It's just like, cool, but it doesn't show. And the production isn't there. Our two best defensive linemen have been Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver, and it's not even close. Yeah. I, last year, I was on that train with Hughes because I thought he was better than what the stats showed because he passed the eyeball test. The eyeball test showed me. I didn't care what your stats said. What I see is Jerry Hughes chasing quarterbacks to the other side, and they get away and they make a you know they make a complete pass um, because there's no pressure coming from the other side. This year, I don't care what the stats say. My eyeballs tell me Jerry's not involved in a lot of those plays and I can make some excuses for him. I think maybe the rotation is a little bit too heavy. I've thought that for a few weeks now, and I, maybe next year I might like to see less of that, uh, but that's a good call on Jerry. I think Jerry's gone. He's in the last year's deal. Addison 
He's our leading sacker. And I have actually not had a lot of negative things to say about Addison. There's he's been around the quarterback a lot. And there's been a few times where he uh, chases the quarterback and the quarterback runs <laughs> up the middle, but you know, it gets a big game on it with his feet, but that's, yep. he, he's doing his job. That's not really on him, but I think yeah. he's gone too. You think Addison's gone? I think Addison's gone. Oh man. I, I'm not sure it, I don't know what they're going to have planned for the defensive line. Truthfully. Um, I think if you, you're, you're dropping off Hughes and Addison, then I think you have uh, bigger plans, you know, to pursue somebody possibly in free agency on the trade. You know, I, I think those are two veteran presents that you, you can't really lose. Um, so if they, I think if they drop both of them, I think we might do some spending somewhere um, which I wouldn't hate at all. You know, I'd honestly be a humongous advocate for that. Um, but I think, you know, other than those two, who really are the veteran, you know, veterans on that line? We have a lot of young talent there. So, you know, if they go, I, I would hope that, you know, there's some spending to be done. And truthfully, now that you mentioned it, like I said, I think I'd be an advocate for that. I'm I'm not giving up on Epinenza. I know a lot of people are really down on him right now. And I guess it's, uh, was it Bruce. I think it was Bruce who had this the sack or the pressure numbers for him and his snaps, and they were really bad. I'm not giving up on Epinenza. I, I'd like to maybe see him get some more snaps. <clears throat> of course, we have, you know, training camp next year, and it's still a long ways out. But um, Boogie Basham, I, I have, I'm, very, I'm pessimistic on Boogie. How do you feel about Boogie? Yeah, I can say the same. I mean, I, I thought it was a reach at the time. I think, you know, regardless, even though it's been his first year, I think it's still proving to be a reach. Um, I was I was pretty upset when we went with Boogie. Um, I didn't understand it. I understand the pre- I understood the premise, what they were trying to get at, but um, s- sometimes you're just you, you're just overshooting, and I think that's exactly what happened with Boogie. I mean, he has been. I, everybody thought he was going to be the immediate impact you know, between him and Boogie or um, him and Gregory. Everybody's like, oh, Boogie's going to be the guy that comes on quickly, and then you know Rousseau in the next couple of years, he's just it's time to develop. Blah blah blah. It's like. Nobody could have been more, or everybody was so wrong about both. Back, of them, exactly backwards. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Boogie's been, I mean, Boogie barely plays one and two. Gregory Rousseau has not had the immediate impact that, you know, we all thought he would after preseason. Um, but I'm not going to bash Rousseau too much. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would not be upset if we just, we got rid of Boogie. I think some revamping on the defensive line could, would not hurt at all. I think he's still around. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, position flexibility. He can play tackle. I, I just don't care. Like, I don't feel like he gets, <laughs> I, I don't feel, I think he can't get off his guy. When he gets his sacks, it's because it's a covered sack and the, the play goes for too long and the quarterback holds the ball. He doesn't beat his guy. And maybe if I go back and pay attention, I, I suppose I'm open to the idea that he's good against the run, but I, I'm not there. I don't feel like I have that opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I guess I'll rephrase what I was saying. I don't think he's gone. I wouldn't mind to see him gone, but you know, we, we all know how Bean is with his draft picks. He will give them every single last opportunity to prove something to give him a reason to keep him around. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I hope a guy like Cody Ford finally sees his way out, but I think <laughs> it, it might be a little premature to say something like this, but Boogie Basham could be the defensive line form of Cody Ford. The guy we just see sticking around, that will never really seem to live up to what Brandon B wants him to be, but he keeps him on the team because he drafted him and he's just never able to move on. But hopefully I'm completely wrong. And he, he starts to turn the corner. Okay. So I guess maybe I'll take the conversation here. Cause I, I think this is a good question, but 
given how bad and how needy NFL teams are for lineman help, we have Bobby Hart on the roster right now, Caveman. Um, do you think there's any way that we could flip Cody Ford for a sixth or a seventh? Do you think that's do you think there's a, a window or an opportunity for that? Um, yeah. I mean, if anybody could pull it off, it's Brandon Bean. I mean, we got Lee Smith. Didn't we get a sixth round pick or something for Lee Smith? Yes. Who's, I was who said so he was gonna retire? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna retire. <laughs> I, I could not believe my eyes when that happened. So once he did that, it makes me think he can pull anything off. And I could certainly see a team out there that's desperate enough that's thinking, you know, we can bring a guy that's, you know, had this talent coming to the draft. You know, he was a highly touted uh, prospect. You know, we can bring him in and maybe maybe give him a change of environment and turn his uh, turn his future around. So I, I absolutely think we can get a little bit of something. Um, but it won't be much. I think we probably will get around what we got for Lee Smith. Yeah, Cody Ford is to me right now Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp was a second round pick. He was a highly regarded, you know, offensive lineman. Had a, a lot of injuries out in I keep saying San Diego, but that's not true. Los Angeles, <laughs> the Chargers. Um and he was around with us, couldn't stick around. I think that is the path right now for Cody Ford. So there could be somebody out there that's interested in him. Yeah, definitely. And now although I wanted to ask you a question, because we've gone back and forth or we went back and forth, I should say, about the tight end situation before the season started. <laughs> and and a couple weeks ago, we only dressed Dawson Knox. And that pissed me off, all right? That <laughs> drove me up a wall. I knew, I knew going into the year with Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney was going to bring nothing but trouble. Dawson Knox gets hurt. We struggle on offense for the two weeks he's gone because Tommy Sweeney's next to no impact. It's not directly correlated, but that pissed me off. And now we've gotten to a point where we feel like Reggie Gilliam is enough of a second tight end over Tommy Sweeney. Instead of pursuing a guy like Zach Hurts, who is making a great impact in Arizona, who I will not die. I died a little bit, but after seeing him resurge in Arizona, he can still ball. He can play the game at a high level still. We absolutely could have used an elite tandem. And Dawson Knox, if he would have still came along the same way he is with Zach Ertz next to him, I mean, that's awesome. That would have been amazing. And, you know, even just having a guy like Jacob Hollister to bring along with Dawson Knox also would have been so helpful. But now Dawson Knox is carrying the brunt of the tight end room because we stuck Tommy Sweeney next to him. And now we have a fullback slash tight end at third string. It That pissed me off when i, I won't stand for reggie gilliam slander on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but uh i was against Ertz, and i wasn't all in on i wasn't all in on Knox. i'd like to say that i was but i wasn't mad at the pick and i didn't want him off the team i just didn't want him to be the starter i wanted to start hollister and, and try to bring him along that way and that didn't work out either we let hollister go and he's not doing anything out in jacksonville but um, interesting because, you know, I think we were arguing over compensation maybe at one point and maybe we were trying mm -hmm. to get away with offering, like, I don't remember, but I think it was a late round pick, but look at those fifth rounders that we pick. Are we worried about losing Tommy Doyle who can't get into the game? No. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose, who I think a lot of people were hoping for, but he's I not even on, I mean, we're, we're couldn't make the team. a late round draft capital for what, you know, I mean, 
you want to be that tie. You want to be a Super Bowl contender. You might have to cough up a little bit to go get that extra player to help you get over the edge. And I think that was a humongous issue this offseason was not being able to understand that concept. I mean, I oh, that was very loud. Well, even oh. Stevenson's not been – he's on the team, but he's – All I did was – We're not very happy with him right now. Throughout <laughs> the offseason about how some move needed to be made to help this team get over the hump in some form or fashion, and nothing was done. And, yeah. you know – the continuity development argument was great and all, but something, some move, just one would have been nice. And I think, you know, we're not seeing repercussions of that. I don't think it's, you know, directly correlated, but I think it certainly would have, you know, helped uh, without a doubt. Yeah. I think a lot of us were having thoughts like after the draft, like this is our window, but we didn't draft for the window. We drafted for down the road. It kind of felt like in, we didn't pay attention to the offensive line. Um, we drafted, you know, developmental players uh, grew. We got it back to back defensive ends. You know, Spencer Brown is making an impact on the offensive line, but that wasn't the plan. So I don't know. I wonder what he's going to do this year, if he's going to reverse course and, and draft for the now. I would like to think so. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't. Um, I think he is a big, down the road thinker. Um, but, you know, I just kind of think like the guys that we could have had where we drafted, it definitely would have been nice to uh, have a couple of those guys. Cause I feel like they certainly, certainly could have made a different impact than what, what we have now. But I, I know, I think, you know, when I think optimistically, the young guys that we have currently, you know, down the road, once they are polished, I think pressure is the most important to football. You know, if you get consistent pressure with your defense, I mean, the rest of your team can be borderline mediocre, but that pressure will it will be hell for the other team, and they will be having a tough time putting up some points. So, you know, getting that elite level pressure would be very, very good. And if we're able to get to that point where all of our young guys are polished, you know, maybe AJ Epinesa, you know, he pans out. Um, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips keeps trending upward, um, and then Gregory Rousseau as well. I mean, we could be looking at you know a pretty pretty solid you know defensive front with four guys that can get consistent pressure but I hope you know if it pans out that way great but at the same time we still need to draft for the now like you were saying okay wow we took that conversation everywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did um all right well do you have anything else for me um I think that's about all I have for the uh for the moment yeah I think I'm good okay why don't you plug your stuff before we go caveman certainly um I you can find me on YouTube, just The Caveman. You just type it in the bar, you'll find me on Twitter. Uh, any social media that you probably have other than, like, Facebook, you'll find me, The Caveman. Um, yeah, I just do my typical typical content, about 9- to 12-minute videos talking about the Bills, you know, sometimes the Sabres, any other football content you want to listen to, you want to talk about, you can come have conversation with me, and I'll be happy to have it with you. Yeah, I highly recommend finding Caveman stuff. I... Um, I don't say that because he's a team member. I say that because I'm sincere. I, I love Caveman and his delivery. So please go check him out. And uh, Caveman, really appreciate you giving me a few minutes tonight. Thank you, sir. Of course. I'm, I'm very, very, very honored to be a part of the final episode. So thank you very much for having me on this. All right. Go Bills. Go Bills.
Bills Mafia. That's it. The final episode of Buffalo in the Brain. I want to thank every single one of you that has somehow supported me. I don't know why. Uh, the Bills podcast community has been just ridiculously generous with their time. And uh, that's that's the entire reason why I have a podcast. I can't do this without my guests because you guys are amazing. And, you know, I'm just a, <clears throat> a dumb podcaster from Indiana. But I'm very thankful to anybody that's given me some of their time. Very, 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 very big thanks to Justin and Justice and uh, the built-in Buffalo crew. Anybody that listens, um, it's not good for your mental health, but thank you. I appreciate the support. Uh, Anyone that says kind things. I try to be kind to everybody, and I hope you pay it forward. I like saying good things about other people because it makes me feel good, but other people like to hear it. So uh, please go out there and... Spread some love. Say some nice things about other people today. Make it a habit because it makes you feel better. Um, But thank you, thank you, thank you. Enough of all this fluffy stuff. I get really uncomfortable with all this. Um, But you can find me at Podcast Vince on Twitter. And I I plan on being around, but maybe around a little bit less often because I've met so many amazing people uh, through this project and the platform And the love that I have received is way more than I deserve. Uh, So thank you very much. Go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry ass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.